How wonderful to gather with you this morning, uh, gathering in a very, very unusual way. Uh, we are social, socially distancing, but uh, we are spiritually connecting, aren't we? We are gathered together in the spirit of the Lord, and it's a joy to worship with you this way today. It is a little strange, I'm sure, for you, worshiping there. It's certainly strange for us. Uh, as we lead worship in this uh, empty auditorium. Uh, it was just a little more strange last Sunday as I was out of town for a, a missions conference. I happened to be uh, in a hotel. All this was happening over those few days. And I found myself uh, watching live stream service of the church that I pastor on television uh, from a hotel. So, it was a little strange, but I was so blessed as you gathered that way, and I was blessed to be a part of that service, and I hope that you too will be blessed by joining together in worship of Jesus Christ today, and we welcome you all. So glad to worship together. Well, two words, coronavirus, two words. Just a few weeks ago, I'm sure practically none of us had ever heard of those words. And now it seems like it's, it's all we hear are those words. And they are words that we will certainly, no matter how long we live, we will never forget these words again. Coronavirus, uh, words that have changed everything, our life right now is different, uh, really, really different. And yes, uh, at times it's a little scary. Certainly it is. Because everything's been changed by this virus. It's something we cannot see. It's something that we can't really control. And it's something that threatens our safety. It's a virus that has not only infected our countries, our country, our communities, it's also infected some of our fellow citizens and our prayers certainly for those who are sick with this virus today and for those who have lost loved ones through this, our prayers are with them. This virus has rocked our world. It really, really has. And it's brought many aspects of life as we have known it for so long to its knees. And at times, uh, it seems like it's in control. You know, it's called the coronavirus. And it's called corona because the virus molecules underneath the microscope look like a crown. And right now, it, it seems like coronavirus is ruling everything. But friends, it's not, is it? It's not ruling at all because we know who still wears the crown of the universe. And that is the one who was crowned with thorns, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he wears the crown. And so what I'd like to do 
beginning this Sunday morning and Lord willing for the next few Sunday mornings is talk about the theme of Corona Victus. Let's change it just a little bit. We hear about coronavirus. It's constantly bombarding our senses, but let's think about Corona Victus. That is the crown of victory or the crown of the conqueror. And we know the one who wears that crown and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we wanna focus on conquering the fears that are in our hearts by focusing on Jesus Christ. We want to be able to conquer the virus of fear. And we can do that by focusing on the one who wears the crown. And then that is our savior, the king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how should we respond in a time like this? How should we respond? Uh, that's on our minds. There's many limitations, but how should we respond? Well, as I said earlier this week, I was uh, at a mission board meeting. I'd forgotten something in my car, so I headed down the back steps. And as I was going down, coming up, I met a friend of mine who is a, a missionary physician. Uh, his name's Harry. Wonderful, talented follower and servant of the Lord. And so I said, hello. We stood there on those steps and just talked for a moment. And we, of course, immediately talked about how strange uh, the season really is. And he said, hey, Sam, let me send you something. Uh, let me read it to you first of all, and then I'll send it to you. Someone just sent me an email that has a quote from Martin Luther and what he said in his writings as Germany in the 16th century was visited by an outbreak of the bubonic plague. Martin Luther was asked how he was going to respond. And here is what he wrote back to a friend. It's on your screens. I hope that you'll read it carefully with me. Luther wrote, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person. I shall go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Well, when we read that quote, uh, maybe we want to say that a boy Luther because that is a great, great 
message to us in a time similar in some ways, though it is 500 years ago from our experience, but timeless in its, in its application. Now, what should be our faith response during frightening times like this, frightening storm in our lives? And I think we can see that in the passage that Pastor Joe just read for us earlier. I'm going to ask you to turn there again, if you would, in your Bibles at home. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I, I started to tell you you can turn to a page number in the Bible provided for you, but that you don't have that Bible. If you do, would you please bring it back? We need them here in the auditorium. But if you'll turn to Mark chapter 4... I want us to see here in this storm story, and it is a storm story, not from the Weather Channel, but from the Word of God, how we can keep our bearing, how we can keep an appropriate focus during the times of the storms of life. This is the example of a great storm. And it is given to us in God's timeless word to help us keep the right focus when we are in storms. Now, there are four things I see that we need to focus upon in our time of storm that are coming from this passage of scripture. First of all, I want you to see there's a focus here, of course, on what I would call the providence of the Lord. We need to focus on the providence of the Lord. Now, let's talk about the word providence. The word providence has the idea of control or of guidance. Uh, the doctrine of God's providence is what undergirds everything we believe in. All of life itself is supported by this truth of God's sovereign providence. Divine providence means that this universe is not governed by randomness. But this universe in which we live and have our being is guided by rationality and intentionality. That comes from God himself. That's providence. Now for a few moments, I want us to think about a general application of God's providence, but focus most of all on a gracious application of God's providence. Divine providence means in general application this. It means that our Lord permits all that happens. Let me say that again. Divine providence means that God, our Lord, permits all that happens. Now, we need to be careful here. God is not the author of sin. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is not the author of sin, therefore he is not the author of the consequences of sin, which is the curse of sin on the world in which we live, and the curse of sin which is in all of us as fallen image bearers. God is not the author of sin. Yet, God in his divine providence permits sin 
and sin's consequences to continue for a season. And that is the key thought, for a season. Now, it's hard to understand that, that providence means our Lord permits all that happens. I remember very, very well Sunday, September 16th, 2001. The churches were not empty. They were overflowing. Why? Because of a national crisis that took place on Tuesday, September 11th, 9-11. And I remember on that weekend, I was called by a local television station and asked if I would do a live interview at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday the 16th. And so I was here, right down front in this auditorium, and the reporter asked me this when it came on live. First question. So, Reverend Polson, why did God allow this to happen? And my first thought really was 6.30 in the morning and you're asking me that kind of question. But then I prayed and I gave the answer. And I believe it was a biblical answer. The answer I don't know. And neither does anyone else. We don't know the answer to some things. It's divine providence. And God only knows. One of the most important verses in the word of God on this subject, which will undergird your life and faith, is this. Deuteronomy 29.29. Listen carefully. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we may follow all the words of this law. Now notice in that verse, these phrases. The secret things. The secret things belong to God. Things that he's not revealed. We do not know his plans. We cannot understand his mind. We don't know those things. But the things that he has revealed are ours to receive and to believe and to pass on to our children. Divine providence is not a cosmic chess game and people are the pawns on God's chessboard. That is not what divine providence means because you see there is a gracious application of divine providence and that's what we see in this text. There's a gracious application of God's providence and is this. Our Lord has a plan for all things that happen to his people. Our Lord has a plan and it is a gracious plan for all the things that happen to his people. Now, this story is a perfect illustration of that. Now, this storm that swept upon the Sea of Galilee. It rocked all the boats. All the boats were rocked by this same storm. But the Lord had a plan. He had a specific plan for his disciples, his followers that were in this boat that's described in this story. 
Think about this. The disciples were not in this boat and they were not in this storm because they were out of the will of God. They were in this boat and they were in this storm because they were in the will of God. The Lord Jesus Christ himself led them into this boat and let them sail into this storm. It was a plan, a gracious plan. Now, Romans 8.28 had not yet been written by the inspired quill of the Apostle Paul when this took place. But what Paul wrote is an eternal truth. And the eternal truth is found in Romans 8.28. This is the eternal truth of God's providence of grace for his people. Romans 8.28, you know it well, many of you. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his verse, his, his purpose. Now, look at that verse. I mean, really, look at that verse and listen to that verse. I want you to take a full stop. Full stop. Do you know that? Do you know that? In a time of social distancing or a time of physical or emotional or financial distressing. That is still true. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose now. Where you are right now, can you say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I don't understand this. I can't comprehend it. I can't wrap my mind around it. The secret things belong to you. But this I know has been revealed and it is for me, for my house and for all that I can influence. I know this. Oh, Lord God, help me to take hold of it. And believe it. Believe it in the storms of life. Even this storm of life. See, we can shelter in any storm. We can shelter in the providence of our gracious Lord. Now we do that. How do we shelter ourselves in the providence of our gracious Lord? It says we focus on something else. We focus on the peace of our Lord. We focus on the peace of the, of the Lord. Now, the story here in this ministry, in the ministry of our Lord, this story that's lifted out of his life and ministry, really, it's almost humorous when you think about it, the scene. It's almost humorous. Look at the two incredible contrasts. 
On the one hand, you have the disciples who are struggling and yelling and they are bailing for all they're worth. And then look at Jesus, sweetly napping in the stern of the boat, not a wrinkle on his brow. He is the prince at peace. He's the prince at peace. Now these disciples then, they're made of the same stuff we are made of now. And they were filled with fear. And Jesus' quiet rest, his quiet peace in the midst of their storm did what? It produced frustration in them. Their, their fear became frustration, frustration at their Lord who seemed to be resting so comfortably while they were at such risk. And that's the reason verse 38 says they exclaimed, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? How can you just sleep so serenely? We are about to die here. That question has been asked untold billions of times over the centuries. Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? I wonder how many times in the last few months that cry has gone up from the people of God. You see, there's a reality here that we need to be honest about. Storms can cause us to forget. Storms can cause us to forget. We have a human tendency. It's a very human tendency, part of our fallenness as human beings. But we have a very human tendency to forget in the storms what we learned in the calm. We have a tendency to forget in the darkness what we learned in the light. What is it that these disciples have forgotten? What is it they have forgotten? They have forgotten who is on board. They have forgotten who is on the boat with them. In the providence of God, they were about to be reminded. This is a gracious providence. This storm is a grace gift to them as they are going to be reminded of incredible truths through it. They will be reminded of something they will never forget for the rest of their lives. They are going to be reminded of the power of the Lord. The power of the Lord. That's going to be their focus now. The power of the Lord. Verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. In a moment, the fearful storm that threatened to flood and to sink the boat was subdued. 
at the words of Jesus. And then, you know what took place? There was another flood of fear. It was a flood of fear that entered the hearts of these disciples. It's a different kind of fear. The fear is expressed this way. Verse 41. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They were speechless. Who can this be that is in this boat with us? Who the very wind and sea must obey? The disciples were speechless, but Jesus, Jesus wasn't. It was now his turn to speak and their turn to listen. It was his turn to ask them a question. And what was his question? This probing question, verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Are you, have you still no faith? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? The one who had just rebuked the wind and the waves, he now rebukes their weakness. The weakness of their faith. You see, fear had made them faithless. They had allowed their fear to lead them to faithlessness. Why? How did that happen? How did fear take away their faith? Because their focus shifted. Fear had changed their focus. In their fear, their focus became fixated on the disaster that was threatening them rather than on the master who was with them. They forgot in their fear who was with them. I want to tell you, shipmates today, fear makes us forget who is on board in our lives. The old gospel song says this, Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are tossing high. The sky is o'ershadowed with blackness. No shelter or help is nigh. Care you not that we perish? How can you lie asleep when each moment so madly is threatening a grave in the angry deep? Yes, fear makes us forget. Fear makes us forget the truth. Forget what? Forget the truth. And what is the truth? It's the same truth that that same gospel song goes on to say. The hymn writer wrote this. Whether the wrath of the storm-tossed sea or demons or men or whatever it be, no water can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and sky. 
That's true. And we can forget that in fear. Jesus' challenge to his disciples about their fear was a challenge to faith. He was challenging them to faith. And what was their faith? Their faith was faith in him. It was not faith in their faith. Not faith in their circumstances, certainly. But their faith that he challenged was faith in him. In effect, what Jesus is challenging them to remember is to remember him. That is how we stay in faith. That is how we keep walking in faith. That is how we overcome fear when our focus remains on him. The master of ocean and earth and skies. Their master is in the boat. It's their master in the boat. It's their master in their boat. He is their prince and he's at peace. And he's in the boat with them. What's Jesus saying through this timeless story? He's saying to his followers... Through the ages, he's saying to us as his people in this very season in which we live, remember me in this storm. Remember me. Focus on me in this storm and you will have faith. My friends, these days, that is our challenge. The challenge to remember the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. And that is the fourth focus I see here. For us to remember the presence of the Lord. The Lord never promised, never, that we would not go through storms. Matter of fact, just the opposite. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation." But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus did not promise that we would not go through storms. What he did promise was that we would never go through a single storm alone. We would go through no storm alone. What was it that Jesus said? Behold, I am with you always. He said that just before he ascended. Behold, don't forget this. No matter what comes, don't forget. I am with you always, always. Friends, a Christian can be many things. But one thing he or she can never be is alone. Never. Never. My Christian friend today, the Lord is in your boat because he's in your heart. If you are a Christian, 
The Lord is in your boat because he's in your heart. He's in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So any circumstance you are in, any situation you are in, whatever it may be, you are not alone because someone is not just with you. He is within you. The Lord Jesus Christ himself by his spirit. He's in your heart. Right now. I want to challenge you to declare that right now. Just say it. He is with me. That's right. Just say it. He is with me. And right now, let's encourage each other in our faith as you're gathered as a family or as a couple. Or maybe there's other few believers in the Lord with you right now. Just Declare this together. He is with us. That's right. Declare it together. Say it to each other. He is with us. Now, my friend, if you don't know that, if you don't know that, oh, the storm of the coronavirus is nothing compared to the storm of the wrath of God that awaits those who reject his son, the Lord Jesus. My friend, if you don't have that peace in your heart today, that the master of ocean and earth and skies is in your heart, that he is your very life and he lives within you, then my friend, I beg you today, in that boat, wherever you are right now, kneel down before the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Kneel before him, call upon him in faith. Ask him to forgive your sins. Trust him as your Lord and Savior. Surrender your life to him and he will speak his peace into your heart the peace that passes all understanding, the peace of his salvation, he will say to you and be for you, peace. Peace be still. Oh, I pray that many, this moment, through this time of providence, will be led to see there is only one unchanging certainty and absolute safety. And that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, to know him and have him as your savior. I pray that that will be your experience this very hour. And God will confirm that into your heart by his spirit. I'm praying that the Lord right now will speak into our storms just as he spoke into that storm. Peace, be still. Would you bow your head in prayer with me? Let's pray.
Almighty God and Heavenly Father, how incredible you are that I can stand and pray here with just a few brothers and sisters in this empty auditorium and yet gathered together, gathered together in spirit are hundreds, maybe thousands. And Lord, we thank you that this morning tens of thousands and millions upon millions are gathered in a similar way. Oh Lord God, thank you that you are infinite God. You are infinite in your glory and majesty and infinite in your mercy. And you are merciful to all who call upon you. You are full of kindness and compassion. And oh Lord God, we pray that you will make us vessels of that compassion and grace and ministry as we have opportunity. Oh Lord, we thank you for your peace. And we pray that your peace will reign now in hearts and lives. We pray, oh Lord, that that peace will come to those who are trusting you now, surrendering to you as Lord and Savior. Bring the peace that comes from their knowing that they have been justified by faith. Oh Lord God, I pray that you will grant mercy to this world, mercy to our country, and God, that very soon, oh Lord, you will, by your power, remove this scourge of this pestilence. Oh God, bless and strengthen all who are serving you by serving their fellow man. Lord, we pray you'll give wisdom and insight to all who labor over and labor about this virus. And oh Lord, I pray that you'll keep our eyes focused on you, that you are not far, far away, but you are with us in our circumstances. We are not alone. You, oh Lord, are with us. May our eyes be fixed on you. We praise you and give you glory. And now, friends, may we join in prayer. May we join in prayer, praying together as one, even as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and the people of God said Amen